I get up, take a shower, have breakfast, I read the paper, brush my teeth. If I have a phone call to make, I make them. I've got my coffee now. I put on my lucky work boots and stitch up the lucky laces that my niece Meredith gave me. I head back to my office, crank up the computer. My lucky hooded sweatshirt is draped over the chair with the lucky charm I got from a gypsy in St. Marie de la Mer for only eight bucks in France. And my lucky Largo name tag that came from a dream I once had. I put it on. On my thesaurus is my lucky cannon that my friend Bob Versandi gave me from Moro Castle, Cuba. I point it toward my chair so it can fire inspiration towards me. I say my prayer, which is the invocation of the muse from Homer's Odyssey, translation by T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, which my dear mate Paul Rank gave me, and which sits near my shelf with the cufflinks that belong to my father and my lucky acorn from the battlefield at Thermopylae. It's about 10.30 now. I sit down and plunge in. When I start making typos, I know I'm getting tired. That's four hours or so. I've hit the point of diminishing returns. I wrap for the day, copy whatever I've done to the disc and stash the disc in the glove compartment of my truck in case there's a fire and I have to run for it. I power it down. It's 3, 3.30. The office is closed. How many pages have I produced? I don't care. Are they any good? I don't even think about it. All that matters is that I've put in the time and hit it with all I've got. All that counts is that for this day, for this session, I have overcome resistance. That is an excerpt from the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. This is not your average musician podcast with me, Isaac Hernandez and Dalton McLaughlin. I had no word for you today. <gasps> That's okay. I get to be called just my name. <laughs> All right. What an yeah. honor. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, uh, I figured because we got so many words coming up from, from this book that uh, I didn't want to compete with, uh, with Mr. Stephen Pressfield. Um, yeah, and not just an expert. That was the intro. That was the opening of the book, War of Art. It's a very, very short book, and that's what we're doing for this Teaching Tuesday. We're going to kind of go through it, talk about it a little bit. And, uh, it, I mean, just that opening kind of... I remember when I read it the first time, it just grabbed me. I was like, wow. You know? Um, uh, Stephen now, Press, yeah, go ahead. Am, am I allowed, when, when can I ask my questions? Oh, you can uh, ask, what, jump in whenever you want. This is uh, Because right form. now, I, Isaac is this, uh, he's, he's the book master, <laughs> giving us the nuggets of wisdom. And I'm not the book master. So I, right off the bat, have some questions. Hmm. So I'm like, all right, so that, that kind of seemed like a, a Nike thing. Do it. Don't think about it too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How, how does that apply to uh, musicians out there? That's a very good question. Yeah, well, this this book is uh, Stephen Pressfield's. I, I think it was his first nonfiction, I think. Don't quote me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, and even if it's not, it's his most, it's his, probably the most well-known out of his for nonfiction. He started out, um, he became successful in writing. Uh, later in his life he was like in marketing for a very long time and, and stuff like that and he wrote some of my favorite uh, novels and what he writes is fiction and they're usually historical novels like he wrote one from the perspective of a soldier uh, from the Spartan army and the uh, 300 Spartans at Thermopylae he wrote one for uh, virtue of and that's called gates of fire he wrote another one which is called uh, virtues of virtue of war which is from like a uh, 
I think a messenger from Alexander the Great or one of his like guys that was there in his army. Obviously, it's fictional because it's not like a real character, but it it reads so well and it's really cool. And if you're nerdy like that and you're into that kind of stuff, it's it's amazing, you know. That's what he did, and then he came out with this book, which obviously, from his perspective, is from a writer towards writers. But he frames it, and in the book, you'll you'll see that it's meant for anybody like pursuing any creative endeavor. And we'll we'll dive into some experts like that. And this book, kind of, is divided up into three parts. And the first part goes into like defining what this thing that he's called resistance, what that is, you know, and. And, you know, what it's about. And the second one is about, like, overcoming it. And then the third one is, like, beyond that, you know. Like, it gets a little more spiritual and philosophical if you want to look at it like that. So, in a a way, it's like a book about, like, kind of, like, meditations and things like that. But very, to me, they seem very applicable and very, you know, very, yeah applicable i think it's so so the first one is just don't be a scrub get up do your stuff take that instrument out of the case (laughs) hop on the metronome yeah well that was yeah that was the opening right he has i think more than that i think he's like describing like he's got a whole ritual around his process so like he sits down to write but he's got all these things ready you know i think if i i don't know him personally obviously but i think uh I've heard a, a, quite a few interviews and he seems like a little bit of a superstitious person or kind of like he has to have his things going, you know, like like he said, you know, he, he has his routine. You know, if he has phone calls to make, he puts on his lucky work boots. You know, he has his coffee, cranks up the computer. He has the lucky hooded sweatshirt is draped over the chair, you know, things like that to like get in that mindset of uh, of things, things like that. I have that. to Can't... put my left shoe on oh. first. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Things like that. I always got to have my coffee before I pay, I even tune my guitar, you know, no coffee, no practice. Um, yeah, that's that's like a normal. That's not like a weird sure. superstition. Sure. But I'm not even a superstition, just kind of like a ritual, you know, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. Uh, more than anything to get to like kind of get you in that mindset. So we'll go. Obviously, we can't read the entire book. Otherwise, it would be like a I don't know, six hour podcast. And I might fall asleep. <laughs> that that too. I might have to wake up Dalton. But I do want to read some of my favorite excerpts and kind of go over them a little bit from the perspective of a musician more than anything, which is how I walked away from it. So let's keep going. All right, let's do it. The unlived life. Most of us have two lives. The life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Have you ever brought have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Ever quit a diet, a course of yoga, a meditation practice? Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark upon a spiritual practice? Dedicate yourself to a humanitarian calling? Commit your life to the service of others? Have you ever wanted to be a mother, a doctor, an advocate for the weak and helpless, to run for office, crusade for the planet, campaign for world peace? or to preserve the environment. And I'm skipping here a little bit from time to time. Resistance is the most toxic force on the planet. It is the root of more unhappiness and poverty, disease, and erectile dysfunction. To yield to resistance, the forms our spirit. It stuns us and makes us less than what we are and were born to be. If you believe in God, you must declare resistance evil, for it prevents us from achieving the life that God intended when he endowed each of us with, his, with our own unique genius. Genius is a Latin word. The Romans used it to denote an inner spirit, holy and inviolable. 
which watches over us, guiding us to our calling. A writer writes with his genius. An artist paints with hers. Everyone who creates operates from this sacramental center. It is our soul's seat, the vessel that holds our being in potential, our stars, beacon, and polaris. How many times have we talked about on the podcast about a, uh, our calling, right? That being a musician is not a practical choice because, you know, we don't do it. We definitely don't do it for the money, but we kind of, you and I talked about this and with some other guests, right? Like we do it because we have to do it. It's, it's no choice. I always think about this, you know, because I remember when I read this, it, it like put it into words for me, you know, that it would picking up the guitar wasn't a choice. It's just something I like I needed to do and not doing it like depressed the hell out of me. I, I feel like now after you're reading all this, like, I mean, I think I said on the podcast, I jokingly call you Sir Isaac the Wise. <laughs> that that name was there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, the reason, reason. And is it's here. coming out today <laughs> on Teaching Tuesday. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think, um, yeah, like it's funny, like somebody, I just remember being, I don't know, like 20, like one-ish and just thinking, I'm like, what else would I do? Mm. You know, I'm like, I don't know. That's it. I'm like that, that's my, my answer is really like, I don't know. Someone's like, yeah. well, if you didn't want to like go do music and teach music, like what would you do? I'm like, like I don't know. I'm like, I don't like other things. So like, yeah. but you're smart. So you could like do something else. You're like, well, I don't want to do something right. else. Yeah. It sounds lame, boring. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's not a matter of capacity. I think it's like really what you're compelled to do, right? Like almost like called you know yeah, being yeah i, I wish it there was the calling i mean i feel like if there was a calling i'd be like paco de lucia good that guy had a calling i don't know if I, call it, I don't know if a calling has to do with how good you're gonna be like you have to do it just because you have mm -hmm. to do it regard like regardless of the outcome you know well maybe that guy's like a prophet calling I think you get I, I think some people get really lucky and endowed with the right we there lots of us things. have the callings, but not all of us are like the prophet of Paco yeah. de Lucia. <laughs> exactly. All right. Back to the book. All right. Fair, fair enough. I like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Look in your own heart. Unless I'm crazy right now, a still small voice is piping up telling you as it has 10,000 times the calling that is yours and yours alone. You know it. No one has to tell you. And unless I'm crazy, you're no closer to taking action on it than you were yesterday or will be tomorrow. You think resistance isn't real? Resistance will bury you. You know Hitler wanted to be an artist. At 18, he took his inheritance, 700 kronen, and moved to Vienna to live and study. He applied to the Academy of Fine Arts and later to the School of Architecture. Ever see one of his paintings? Neither have I. Resistance beat him. Call it an overstatement, but I'll say it anyway. It was easier for Hitler to start World War II than it was for him to face a blank square canvas. I like Dang. that. <laughs> and this is actually, that was kind of the intro of the book. And this is uh, it's divided into three books. So like book one is resistance and kind of like um, defining what resistance is. And it fall, that's where it starts falling into these like statements and, and meditations like uh, like this one resistance is invisible resistance cannot be seen touched heard or smelled but it can be felt 
We experience it as an energy field radiating from a work in potential. It's a repelling force. It's negative. Its aim is to shove us away, distract us, prevent us from doing our work. Things like that. And for example, this one, this one's pretty good. Resistance plays for keeps. Resistance goal is not to wound or disable. Resistance aims to kill. Its target, it's the epicenter of our being, our genius, our soul. The unique and priceless gift we were put on earth to give and that no one else has but us. Resistance means business. When we fight it, we are in a war to the death. You and it the gets war. pretty intense. What's that? It's a you and the war. <laughs> so well, the, the book is so, War of Art, right? True. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sir Isaac the Wise. <laughs> How how does resistance play into your musical life? What oh, in my say? life, yeah. I you know I think it's played and it plays out in a variety of ways, like like fear, you know, like being like being too afraid of, you know. I mean, I'm not unique in this, but being afraid of what people are gonna think or that I might not be good enough to do what it is that I feel I was put here to do, you know. That's we're getting i don't want to get like too woo woo with this this kind of stuff but i don't know how else to say it and i I hope that it makes sense and i think that to people listening i think it does make sense because we we brought it up a few times um but yeah i think it takes that form and it takes a a different like even more casual forms like watching way too much anime when i should be working i would i would say that that's resistance yeah yeah i think this is a good read and what about you I feel like the resistance comes from the outside world, Mm. not within. We're like, somebody's like, why are you doing this? Do you think this is a good idea? Or it's always the funny thing. Oh, you're studying art. What are you going to do with that? (laughs) I feel like that's like not resistance from inside, but from like outside. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like in the musical world, maybe like arts in general, that the resistance maybe comes more from, other people Mm. you know yeah it's so it's so interesting that you put that up because it comes back in part two about where resistance the origins and if it's an internal or external force um so i want to put a pin on that i don't want to okay all right i'm getting a see look i haven't even read the second book and i know what's gonna come yeah but yeah you're you're already you're already uh anticipating no and i think it's a very good question and, and thought and i think that's the point i think uh, i guess I, I can go on my own resistance so mm-hmm. i don't get ahead of myself i think the resistance was what kind of guitar i wanted to play mm. you know like what kind of music you want to play because mm-hmm. you know we talked about it you go to school you do like classical or jazz and that's like not the only kind of music out there and so like it took me a while to figure out that i like the kind of finger style arranging that kind of things yeah. Instead of someone's like, you know, like, why aren't you playing this composer? He's super mm. cool. I'm like, well, I make cool stuff too, bro. <laughs> like, I can't play my own things, mm-hmm. you know, but like after you studied and you like have good technique or like good enough, at least then like you can like pursue like what kind of music calls to you. Fair enough. I like that. Yeah. You know, like if I were to, try to teach you how to play something on that nylon string guitar of yours Mm. 
I might get some resistance from the rock star. You're like, where's the distortion pedal? I'm like, so this instrument's acoustic. There is no distortion. Exactly. Yeah. So why even fight it unless you like wanted to play it to like learn some more stuff? Like just do do your electric guitar. Yeah, I think distortion. It's about like really staying true to what you want to do because it's easy to get sidetracked. Even if you are still doing music, right? But if it's not the one for you, then you know that's. I guess, yeah, a manifestation of this resistance, as uh, Pressfield calls it. All right, let's get back to the pages. Resistance and procrastination. Yeah, resistance and procrastination. Procrastination is the most common manifestation of resistance because it's the easiest to rationalize. We don't tell ourselves, I'm never going to write my symphony. Instead, I'm going to write my symphony. I'm just going to start tomorrow. And I like that because he he doesn't take like it's all writing so he kind of like diversifies the professions for us a little bit resistance and criticism if you find yourself criticizing other people you're probably doing it out of resistance when we see others beginning to live their authentic selves it drives us crazy if we have not lived out our own individuals who are realizing their own lives almost never criticize others if they speak at all it is to offer encouragement watch yourself of all, the mis- of all the manifestations of resistance, most only harm ourselves. Criticism and cruelty harm others as well. And I, I really, I skipped a lot. Like, uh, you know, we go here, like, um, it's like, um, it's a short book, but I skipped maybe like 50 pages of this resistance and kind of like, he really just goes deep and like defining it like identifying it and going over all the different ways that he sees that this thing resistance manifests themselves. And I think you're free to call it whatever you want. I think after you get the gist, but I don't have a problem with that name, you know, resistance and just kind of, it's a good, very good word, you know? Um, and that is dramatic as like evil or something like that, you know, like he suggested. Can, can the resistance be a good thing or is it always a bad thing? I think as he sees it, mostly it's a bad thing, you know, because it's keeping you from doing your work, what you should be doing or not what you should be doing, what you were put here to do, you know, and it's something that you chose. It's not self-imposed, but then we impose all these things. We let all these things keep you from it. So like resistance is like this force that's like, yeah. So if, so if the resistance is inevitable, mm-hmm. like there's going to be some form of resistance, what, what are our methods, I guess, in the music world or the world in general mm. to fight, maybe not fight the resistance. Cause that sounds like it's from the new yeah. star Wars trilogy. It's like, we got to fight the resistance. Yeah. No, well, um, we didn't plan this. And I th- it's so cool that you brought that up. Cause we're like at book two, which is combating resistance. And so I'm getting it, ahead of myself again. No, no, no. You're right. You're right on time. You, this is you're like right. We're right there. So you're not you're not ahead. But oh, I want to so. point out the the title of the book again is War of Art. It's like a a, a struggle, right? It's not a, a once and be done. And if we take back to the the beginning, the intro of the book, he said that for today, for this session, I beat resistance. But just, like uh. this, it's gonna be it's 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 a it's a it's not a battle. It's a it's a war. So this this kind of reminds me, and this is completely sidetracked, but I think it's slightly funny, so I'll share it. Go for it. Um, there, I was in my sophomore English class, and we had mm-hmm. like 
you know, it's like literature class, so we're all reading books and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody in my class was reading Fight Club, that book. It's one of my you know that they made fav- it a movie. It's my favorite book. <laughs> and yeah. I I never read it mm. or anything in that. And what we would do is we would like have our books and we would share with like the rest of the class. Like I think there's like you know it was like a class of like twenty and there'd be like four of us and we we're sharing and then people would ask questions mm-hmm. and then my my dumb ass one day well maybe smart ass actually yeah. was just like they were talking about it and I was just thinking I'm like. And I never watched the movie. I never read the book. And this was literally just from like four people in a class telling me. And I just told them, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Fight Club doesn't exist. And they're like, Dalton, you can't give away the ending. I'm like, I've never read it or anything. Mm-hmm. So I just did like my deductive reasoning. I'm like, this guy's making all this up. Like, like it was just so funny. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's remind me of this because you're like, dude, you're you're getting to the next book. And I'm just like sometimes like literature is predictable so oh yeah sometimes 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 Um, and then sometimes there's there's twists but like with this i'm like all right i know what's coming so i'm getting ahead of myself now we're right we're right there yeah that instance i looked like a punk people (laughs) like how did you spoil it for them i'm like i actually don't know what happens like well you were right (laughs) oh we'll uh we'll shell fight club because i can go on that for a while because it's I read it like when my high school age and that book, I think it's- We also in that, that yeah. class read, uh, gosh, Life of Pi, mm. which that, that one, one had a, a, a plot twist, which I didn't see, but I guess you, you don't know that one, so I can't give it away unless no, you just don't. don't care. I've heard see, it's uh, very good. Yeah, don't, don't. Oh, I can't spoil it. Dang it. Well, <laughs> okay. All right, let's get back to it. Let's so, keep going. We're at the second part of the book, and it's called Combating Resistance, Turning Pro. And it reads this just cool little uh, thing before it gets started. It is one thing to study war and another to live the warrior's life. And that was by Telemann of Arcadia, mercenary of the 5th century BC. Professionals and amateurs, aspiring artists defeated by resistance, share one trait. They all think like amateurs. They have not yet turned pro. The moment an artist turns pro is as epical as the birth of his first child. With one stroke, everything changes. I can state absolutely that the term of my life can can be divided into two parts, before turning pro and after. To be clear, when I say professional, I don't mean doctors and lawyers, those of the professions. I mean the professional as an ideal, the professional in contrast to the amateur. Consider the difference. The amateur plays for fun, the, pl- the professional plays for keeps. To the amateur, the game is his avocation, to the pro, it's his vocation. The amateur plays part-time, the professional plays full-time. The amateur is a weekend warrior, the professional is there seven days a week. The word amateur comes from the Latin root meaning to love. The conventional interpretation is that the amateur pursues his calling out of love while the pro does it for money. Not the way I see it. In my view, the amateur does not love the game enough. If he did, he would not pursue it as a sideline, distinct from his real vocation. The professional loves it so much, he dedicates his life to it. He commits full time. That's what I mean when I say turning pro. Resistance hates it when we turn pro. And a reason to the next part, a professional. Someone once asked Somerset Maugham if he wrote on a schedule or only when struck by inspiration. 
I write only when inspiration strikes, he replied. Fortunately, it strikes every morning at 9 o'clock sharp. That's a pro. In terms of resistance, Morgan was saying, I despise resistance and I will not let it phase me. I will sit down and do my work. Morgan reckoned, reckoned another deeper truth that by performing the mundane physical act of sitting down and starting to work, he set in motion a mysterious but infallible sequence of events that would produce inspiration as surely as if the goddess had synchronized her watch with his. He knew if he built it, she would come. So I think that is the biggest distinction of the book is making setting this difference between what an amateur is and a pro. And I think that's the biggest and probably the most important step or solution to combating resistance, as you mentioned, is like adopting this professional mindset that is not necessarily tied to like a profession or um, monetary compensation he was like a prof like a, a professional it's like you're making a decision you know to like dedicate yourself and like i guess put ser certain seriousness in your work you know what i mean rather than like an amateur he like you know like the, the weekend warrior and the professional is there seven days a week you know and i pulled up that example that it was kind of a joke when morgan was being asked you know inspiration strikes every day at nine o'clock sharp meaning he's on his chair no matter what you know mm -hmm. so that's i think that's uh that's a bit i think that's the biggest distinction you can i walked away with from the book here we go a professional is patient resistance outwits the amateur with the oldest trick in the book it uses his his own enthusiasm against him resistance gets us to plunge into the project with an overambitious and unrealistic time table for its completion it knows we can't sustain the level of intensity we will hit the wall we will crash the professional on the other hand understands delayed gratification he's the ant not the grasshopper the tortoise not the hare have you heard the legend of Sylvester Stallone staying up three nights straight to churn out the screenplay for Rocky? I don't know. It may even be true. But it's the most pernicious species of myth to set before the awakening writer because it seduces him into believing that he can pull off the big score without pain and without persistence. The professional arms himself with patience, not only to give the stars time to align in his career, but to keep himself from, fl from flaming out in each individual work. He knows that any job, whether it's a novel or a kitchen remodel, takes twice as long as he thinks and costs twice as much. He accepts that. He recognizes it as a reality. The professional steals himself as the start of the project, reminding himself that it is it a rut, not the 60-yard dash. He conserves his energy. He prepares his mind for the long haul. He sustains himself with the knowledge that if he can just keep those huskies mush mushing, sooner or later the sled will put will pull into Nome. Thoughts? Um, that you just got to keep pressing on. Simple. You yeah. Yeah you, yeah, you can't just like stop or quit or a scrub mm -hmm. yeah this was a big one for me and again I'm, I'm skipping a lot over the book so keep that in mind that um and maybe you'll not you personally but you, i've seen a lot of people do this that they mystify music and i know that was the case for me when i was younger and i guess my amateur days um 
A professional demystifies. A pro views her work as a craft, not an art. Not because she believes art is devoid of a mystical dimension. On the contrary, she understands that all creative endeavor is holy. But she doesn't dwell on it. She knows if she thinks about that too much, it will paralyze her. So she con she concentrates on technique. The professional masters the professional masters how and leaves what and why to the gods. Like Somerset Maugham, she doesn't wait for inspiration. She acts in the anticipation of its apparition. The professional is acutely aware of the intangibles that go into the inspiration. Out of respect for them, she lets them do the work. She grants them this, their sphere while she concentrates on hers. The sign of the amateur is over-glorification of and preoccupation with the mystery. The professional shuts up. She doesn't talk about it. She does her work. And you remind me of this one. Like, I remember thinking about you for this section. Because, like, how much you focus on getting things right. Like, your sphere of technique and, like, getting the tone right. Getting. I, I also have a, a funny... Uh, Go for it. Le ...guitar lesson where I only did, like, I think, like, two or three with this person. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I remember her coming in and she was like young like 20 somethings sure and it was like one of those people just like you know like i i like when i play guitar like you know i'm like smoke weed and i'm high and then i get inspired to play and blah 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 and i just mm. like told her i was like you need to learn the basics like mm. you need to like learn how to play the thing you're not just gonna do some drugs or do whatever and just magically get inspired to like Practice. make art or yeah. practice or whatever and like eventually like i feel like when somebody is so good like i'll, I'll think of you know the great great composers like a bach or a mozart like mm. they they like knew things so well that they could just like create things it's not like they were i mean i'm sure there were some instances where they were you know like feeling certain moods and feeling certain things and like whatever they created that day sounded like how they felt, but it was yeah. never just like, they're just like, Oh, this one day I just got so inspired to write. Like they know things so well that like, they don't necessarily need, yeah, you know, like to be like struck by like this, like bell of inspiration. Yeah. So I, I like how he says like master, like he says, you know, focus on the craft not the mm -hmm. mystique around the kind of like focus on what you can control like your realm and then not to say that the other stuff doesn't exist but it's outside yeah. of you so leave it to that and you focus on on what you can control you got you gotta like have that core you gotta build mm -hmm. it it's almost like if you know you're trying to go lift some weights <laughs> you know like it's just like all right i'm inspired to bench press 315 you're like well <laughs> You might die. Yeah. It's going to be too heavy. <laughs> exactly. But if you build up that base, maybe you'll be inspired to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I, I like the point that the inspiration comes after the fact, you know, not before or after. Yeah. The act, and it's I just like say. the same thing. Like and I'm thinking of like a, like a little kid mm -hmm. drawing something yeah. and like slapping it on the fridge. It's just like, hey, mom, I was inspired to draw something. And you're like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. This Absolutely. Is, uh, this is the last one I'll read for the second part. And then we don't, we right. don't have much left. So 
A professional acts in the face of fear. The amateur believes he must first overcome his fear, then he can do his work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. He knows there is no such thing as fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. What Henry Fronda does after puking into the toilet in his dressing room is to clean up and march out on stage. He's still terrified, but he forces himself forward in spite of his terror. He knows that once he gets out in the action, his fear will recede and he'll be okay. I think that's a big one for, uh, or at least for me. Maybe I shouldn't speak for, for other people, but for me, it's... That, uh, that sounds like that you need to rally after you puke in the toilet. Yeah, I get pretty. I don't know if I need to... Uh, I don't know if I, I'd puke, but, you know, like that fear, like fear, you know, you kind of just got to get in there mm. before anything, you know? Um, For sure. And then... All right, the, are we at, is this part three now? This is part three, see? All there right. you go. And Let's it's go. Uh, Beyond Resistance, the Higher Realm, and there's a, another cool little expert uh, excerpt. The first duty is to sacrifice to the gods and pray to them to grant you... The thoughts, words, and deeds likely to render your command most pleasing to the gods and to bring yourself, your friends, and your city the fullest measure of affection and glory and advantage. Xenophon, the cavalry commander. The ego and the self. Here's what I think. I think angels make their home in the self while resistance has its seat in the ego. The fight is between the two. The self wishes to create, to evolve. The ego likes things just the way they are. What is the ego anyway? Since this is my book, I'll define it my way. The ego is a part of the psyche that believes in material existence. The ego's job is to take care of business in the real world. It's an important job. We couldn't last a day without it. But there are worlds other than the real world. And this is where the ego runs into trouble. Here's what the ego believes. Death is real. The ego believes that our existence is defined by our physical flesh. When the body dies, we die. There's no life beyond life. Time and space are real. The ego is analog. It believes that to get from A to Z, we have to pass through B, C, and D. To get from breakfast to supper, we have to live the whole day. Every individual is different and separates from every other. The ego believes that I am distinct from you and the twin cannot meet. I can hurt you and it won't hurt me. The predominant impulse of life is self-preservation. Because of our existence is physical and thus vulnerable to innumerable evils, we live and act out of fear in all that we do. It is wise, the ego believes, to have children to carry on our line when we die, to achieve great things that will live after us and to buckle our seatbelts. There is no God, no sphere exists except the physical and rules apply except those Oh, sorry. And no rules apply except those of the material world. He, these are the principles the ego lives by. They are sound, solid principles. Here's what the self believes. Death is an illusion. The soul endures and evolves through infinite manifestation. Time and space are illusions. Time and space operate only on the physical sphere. And even here don't apply to dreams, visions, transports. In other dimensions, we move swift as thought and inhabit multiple planes simultaneously. All beings are one. If I hurt you, I hurt myself. The supreme emotion is love. Union and mutual assistance are imperatives of life. We are all in this together. God is all there is. Everything that is, is God in one form or another. God, the divine ground in that which in we live and move and have our being. Infinite planes of reality exist, all created by, sustained by, and infused by the Spirit of God. That took a turn. 
<laughs> the last oh, one. Oh, buck, buckle up, people. Yeah. And I'm not particularly religious, not that anybody cares. But I feel like I don't have a problem with the term. And I think you can interchange things. But I, I think that the at what he's trying to get is that these two forces are like battling with each other because they just have different rationales and that's the self and the ego and i think this i skipped a lot in the third just because it gets deep man and it gets uh in it's in this realm right like beyond resistance the higher realm and it, it gets a now, little more now spiritual. i know why you don't go to go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> you get I'm all a, jazzed I'm, up about yeah. anime jujitsu and then you read this and then your mind is just like spinning <laughs> just like why is isaac so fucking stressed out bro <laughs> yeah i don't know that i like that part the the ego is battling the self i mean i mm. feel like in musical terms there's lots of the the ego people out there and honestly and i think the from learning from the podcast is that well mm. lots of us have said just put the ego aside and let the music do the talking and don't be a punk because if you are that egotistical punk that nobody wants to work with you and you might be really good mm. but then your career can just go into the shadows and there's actually a classical guitarist um his name is oscar gilia mm -hmm. one of my old teachers thought that he was he was like one of the guys after segovia who was like the grandfather of classical sure. guitar who brought on the map mm -hmm. and he had a huge ego. He would say stuff that got himself into trouble. And like, mm. he's not really super well known unless you really dive into it. Maybe so, it's for, for those reasons. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think of somewhere else, but like every time I feel like, you know, like somebody's like really good, you know, or they're famous and like, you like hear them interview or you meet them. Like they're pretty, they're cool. Yeah, and like cool is and like that they're not just like I am like the coolest musician to walk planet Earth. They're leading with the other side. That's not the ego, right? Yeah, but he, they're leading yeah. with themselves. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. And thank you for bringing that big piece round to the the musician side of things. Yeah, like when I met uh, what's his name Antonio Ray, and he mm -hmm. shredded, and I'm just like, bro, like you're like. Yeah. You're like one of the guys, you're elite. He's like, ah, oh. he's like, oh no, my hands were pretty cold. I'm like, well, <laughs> if that's what you sound like with cold hands, I'll trade you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, he wasn't like thinking like, I'm the best blah, blah, blah guitarist ever. He's just like, oh, it's me. I'm playing the guitar. This is what I got. Mm. So. Fair. I like that. We only got a couple of things to wrap this up. So let's, let's finish up here. All right, let's, let's keep going. And th these are important. Like, I think the three most important ones left i think should for i this just section. let you power through all three you'll tell me if you got something to say we'll we'll say okay. if now we'll, we'll right. power through yeah Let's and this one it. is just labeled uh titled fear resistance feeds on fear we experience resistance as fear but fear of what fear of the consequences of following our heart fear of bankruptcy fear of poverty fear of insolvency Fear of groveling when we try to make it on our own and of groveling when we give up and, and come crawling back to where we started. Fear of being selfish, of being rotten, of being rotten wives or disloyal husbands. Fear of failing to support our families, of sacrificing their dreams for ours. Fear of betraying our race, our hood, our homies. Fear of failure. Fear of being ridiculous. Fear of, 
fear of throwing away the education, the training, the preparation that those we love have sacrificed so much for, that we ourselves have worked our butts off for, fear of launching into the void, of hurling too far out there, fear of passing some point of no return beyond which we cannot recant, cannot reverse, cannot rescind, but must live with this cocked up choice for the rest of our lives. Fear of madness, fear of insanity, fear of death. These are serious fears, but they're not, re they're not the real fear, not the master fear, the mother of all fears that's so close to us that even when we verbalize it, we don't believe it. Fear that we will succeed, that we can access the powers we secretly know we possess, that we can become the persons we sense in our hearts we truly are. This is the most terrifying prospect a human being can face because it, re it ejects him from, it, it, sorry, it ejects him at the one go from all the tribal inclusions his psyche is wired for and has been for 50 million years. We fear discovering that we are more than we think we are, more than our parents, children, teachers think we are. We fear that we actually possess the talent that our still small voice tells us, that we actually have the guts, the perseverance, the capacity, we fear that we truly can steer our ship, plant our flag, reach our promised land. We fear this because it's true. Because if it's true, then we become estranged from all we know. We pass through a membrane. We become monsters and monstrous. We know that if we embrace our deals, we prove worthy of them. And that, then that scares the hell out of us. What will become of us? We lose our friends and family who will no longer recognize us. We will wind up alone in the cold void of starry space with nothing and no one to hold on to. Of course, this is exactly what happens. But here's the trick. We wind up in a space, but not alone. Instead, we are tapped into an unquenchable, undepletable, inexhaustible source of wisdom, consciousness, and compassion. Yeah, we lose friends, but we find friends too in places we never thought to look and they're better friends truer friends and we're better and truer to them and he asks do you believe me yeah that's that's a pretty big mic drop is that is that your last one i got two more but we can make that the last one if you want i like that one you like that one Fear. Oh my God, dude. This is, yeah, you are Sir Isaac the Wise. <laughs> it's not my words, dude, but. True. I, love this I know, book. but you're reading them. You're sharing yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. This book, I read it a long time ago and it's one of my favorites. And I think you can see why. I think there's a lot of fear in the musical world and I think it's real to have it. I don't mm. even think it's just like, oh, don't go with the inevitable. I think everything musically scared of you can say the career is scary you can say putting new music out is scary because you don't know if people are going to like it mm -hmm. you can say there's fear from people telling you what to do or what not to do even and deeper than that and I, I know what you're saying but like fear of the person that you're going to become if you move towards what you really want to do you know because it's like uncharted territory well i think in a solo guitar playing world it's not quite that <laughs> uncharted yeah I think you'll be fine. You won't. But, uh, in your case, like you, you were moving from classical music to uncharted territory. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And like, you didn't know. And still, you know, what's going to, where that direction is going to take you. But that's where well, you're Yeah. Well, I need to, I need to release some YouTube videos to see where it <laughs> takes me. Because right now it's just the walls. The walls are like, yeah, we don't know either. So yeah, yeah no, that, that's a good point. 
Yeah, I think it's almost that you might have more success with the the fear of doing something new than doing something that's been done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. 100%. I think so. You know, unless you want to try to be uh, the next Nirvana, but that happened already. So. Yeah, let me read the closing one, and we'll call it a day. All right, sounds good. The artist life. Are you a born writer? Were you put on earth to be a painter, a scientist, an apostle of peace? In the end, the question can only be answered by action. Do it or don't do it. It may help you to think of it this way. If you are meant to cure cancer or write a symphony or crack cold fusion and you don't do it, you not only hurt yourself, even destroy yourself, you hurt your children, you hurt me, you hurt the planet. You shame the angels who watched over you and you spite the almighty who created you and only you with your unique gifts for the sole purpose of nudging the human race one millimeter farther along its path back to God. Creative work is not self, it's not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It's a gift to the world and every being in it. Don't, don't cheat us out of your contribution. Give us what you've got. And that's it. That's uh, the war of art. I highly recommend that anyone who's still listening to this point <laughs> buy that book. If you're still here, we love you. God bless you. Um, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I was just like, man, I didn't have a Red Bull today. I'm like, am I going to doze off make here? It? To, to uh, it, Dalton's defense, we've been, uh, this is not our first, uh, this is our second episode of the day. We're, we're doing a little batch, um, so we're plotting pretty heavy. But that's, that's a book. Any, any takeaways for you? Just do it. Don't be a scrub. <laughs> Dalton's got this shit on lock. Um, if you don't know that, check out his TikTok and you see what I'm talking about. Uh, I've been slacking on the TikToks. Oh, I, true, true. But yeah, I haven't made there. one in a while. I guess I got to make more TikToks. Resistance at work, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been scrolling through TikTok a lot. I haven't made any. Interesting. Yeah, there was even a thing to saying that uh, there was like a 4th of July thing and you... It seemed like it was pretty legit through TikTok that you mm -hmm. would pay like six bucks and you get more views. Like it was like advertised by ah, TikTok. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'm just like, this is tempting TikTok because not enough people watch my videos. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But I think that's all we got for you today. Let us know what you think about this kind of. Uh, I know this episode was a little bit different. And we've kind of been playing around with the Teaching Tuesdays and just... A little different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was really different. But, Way uh, different. Yeah, we, we ran it back and just trying things. One of my favorite books and not only uh, trying something different, but if anybody... I feel like, like you didn't know about this book and if anybody else are out there didn't know about it either, I feel like this one, if you're a musician or an artist or a creative person in any, in any capacity, this is a book that you should read, in my opinion. And then read and then you won't sleep because you'll just be thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, lose some sleep. All right. We'll catch you on the next one.